And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Join us this Saturday for an all-new episode of The Athletic NBA Show. Saturday Slam and Jam, hosted by me, Andrew Schlecht. I'll be joined by my co-hosts Alex Spears and many of the athletic beat writers that you know and love. We will recap the week of the NBA, play some NBA trivia, and just overall talk about the league that we love most. So while you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee on Saturday morning, listen to Saturday Slam and Jam on the Athletic NBA Show. Yo! It's Zach Harper, host of the Basketball Buds, right here on the Athletic NBA Show. Join me and the fellas, Waz, Trey, Jay, and Dave, for a new episode every Monday morning. What's Jay King going to say that lights the podcast on fire? What's that problematic envelope that Waz is going to keep pushing every single Monday? Tune in to find out. That's every Monday morning right here on the Athletic NBA Show. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, we talk about veteranosity and introduce the NBA circle of life. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. And welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. I'm Dave Dufour, and that means it's Nerder She Wrote. Mo and Seth are here. What's up, guys? What's up, Dave? How are we doing? It's the last show I've got before vacation next week, and I don't know. I was thinking about mailing this one in. What do you think? Senioritis already. Yeah, I don't know. Don't you mail them all in? Well, there's a lot of teams <laughs> mailing some games in now, so you're uh, you're you're right you're right there with the rest of the league right now. Dave's I want to on know the one, two, three Cancun <laughs> plan. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing some first quarter defense right now for sure. Um, uh, Carl Anthony Towns uh, need not apply here. Uh, I, I definitely am doing a worse job. Um, all right, so there's a lot of weird stuff happening right now, and, and one of the things that that we've kind of harped on for a while is that teams really, uh, when they're going for titles, they they tend to, I think, miss the trees for the forest sometimes, but. I don't know if they're looking at a green forest. It might be a dead forest. The forest could be on fire. And what I'm saying is when they go and buy out or they go (laughs) and shop on the buyout market, (laughs) they go and shop on the buyout market and they get players who aren't as good as some of the younger options that they already have on the roster. And of course, you know, I'm talking about the Nets because they signed everybody who was on the buyout market. And I just don't think LaMarcus Aldridge is the answer to what ails them, guys. Um, yeah. The, this team did not need more shot creation. This team needed defense. This team needed switchability. This team needed mobility from a big man in the playoffs. And that's not 35-year-old LaMarcus Aldridge. And he's had he's had a couple decent games since he's been back. But, like, him doing well in a – April seventh game against the Pelicans 
that's not where Brooklyn is winning or losing the title is the, that's, that's not it. Yeah. No beating up on uh, Charlotte, Chicago, New York, and the Pelicans. It's like, okay. I mean, it's, it's, I get the pushback with that. And also Blake, Griffin has looked good. I got to eat a little bit on that because I didn't think he would look this good uh, coming back and after what we had seen in Detroit. Maybe they have the Fountain of Youth in Brooklyn. I don't know. We should ask Trey to go check that out. Um, But I'm with you on Seth with this in the sense of like they have guys on their roster that need to play that I think can help them. You know, and, and and maybe there's a fear of they're young and things like that. I think there's a lot in play in this situation. Steve Nash is trying to figure out what he has in guys, you know, and, and what he can go to. But it's just so weird, especially because we don't even know their rotation because we haven't even seen them fully healthy yet. Well, my expectation is it's going to be a short rotation. Uh, you know, I'm I'm assuming that D'Antoni rules are going to apply and they're going to be at eight guys, maybe nine. But their big man rotation, it's it's odd. And the guy who really needs to play, Nicholas Claxton, the second-year player, he happens to be the odd man out. He also happens to be, to me, their best option defensively, at least their most versatile option. Maybe, maybe he doesn't match up well against Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, but he certainly matches up well against most of the other teams that they're going to face in potential playoff matchups, right? Well, yeah, I mean, Claxton does such a great job showing that he can switch. Now, you know, the the one thing I would say is we are there is the question of the unknown of how the playoffs and the pressure of the playoffs will affect Claxton going in. But, you know, he is their best big man. I mean, they've put DeAndre Jordan to the bench. You know, he hasn't played, I think, since the 31st. They're they, they kind of figuring out the rotations, but Claxton's minutes have gone down and it's because they're trying to figure out how to play Blake, how to play Aldridge and in, in, in all of this. And then when KD comes back and who, who is back, I'm sorry now. And when they get James Harden back, now it's about figuring out that whole rotation. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? Like this, this is going to be a very interesting scenario to see how this plays out for the Nets. Cause I'm just, I'm fascinated Dave by what this rotation is going to look like when they're healthy. Cause are they going to even prioritize defense? Well, they may not have to, right? And and this is the thing, and, and this is where I know this is the show that splits hairs, and we're certainly splitting hairs here, but because it may not matter. It it may not matter at all. They may have enough defense with the guys that they have out there because of the offense. Well, but I, I have to think that Claxton is gonna be he is gonna play a role in a potential series against Philly and against Milwaukee in particular. Those two teams come to mind immediately for Claxton. Oh, I would I would think if if, if Miami gets gets their Miami. stuff together too. I mean, yeah. I think that 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 he's like his ability to to switch and move against like a team that that does like heavy DHO action is, is would be a, a he would be a good club to have in the bag. If you're going to be an optimist, I think the one thing you say is you talk about them having enough offense, may, like with only one of their kind of stars available. Maybe you think, okay, we need some of all. Even though Aldridge's shot creation at this point in his career is mediocre we have you know we have 70 million in 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 shot creators on the bench over there with you know hamstring injuries or whatever so maybe we need that to lean on that a little bit more and maybe as you and you can put all three guys back on the floor maybe okay we we can balance this lineup with a, with a with a a role or a, a screener a, a, a defensive chaser who doesn't need the ball because i i do worry like if if Aldridge if they have all three of their main guys healthy and Aldridge is in the game, he's taking shots that are coming 
out of one of their pockets. And there's no scenario in which I'm going to prefer a Marcus Aldridge mid-ranger to anything those other three guys are going to do. So you're kind of getting the worst of, of, of both worlds in that circumstance. But as of right now, when they don't have all that available, maybe it is more useful. Yeah, and it, it it works now. And this is this is kind of why I'm coming back to the we don't even know what they look like fully healthy because that's the important thing is they all need to get on the court together so they can figure this out. So Aldrich can go or they can say to LaMarcus, yo, we don't need that shot. You know, like that's not a shot we want you to take or things like that. When we have these three guys on the court with you, that ain't really your game. And 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 trying to figure all of that out. But that only works when you have everybody on the court and can start figuring it out. Like, you know, this is the thing. Like, it's great that they've been killing it with at least one guy on the bench, you know, and, and not in uniform. And it's been awesome when they've been able to do it when it was just James Harden. But they're going to need to know what it looks like. I think they've played, what, only seven or eight games fully healthy, and that was before all of these signings and all of these guys kind of coming in. They're going to need to know what this looks like when they go in. So at least Steve Nash knows what he can turn to in the playoffs. They're going to be at this point, it really feels like they're going to be just experimenting in the playoffs and hoping it works. Now this is only, this is not only happening with the Brooklyn Nets though. So it's not just teams that are gunning for a title. I mean, Mo, we, we talked already this week, I think twice about the fact that Alfred Payton is still starting for the Knicks. And he clearly is not the drink stirrer that Emmanuel quickly is. And now Maybe it's it's again. Uh, we know Tom Thibodeau is going to rely on veterans, and and they want to make the playoffs, and and they're pretty close to it. And and maybe you're just scared to make a change, but it feels to me like you you know maybe you're limiting your ceiling a little bit because quickly needs a chance, not just for this year, but going forward. That you need to know if that guy's going to be a piece. For for me, from what from I've watched a ton of Knicks. For me, quickly is not a starting point guard. Like in this, he is a high level backup. Like that's the role he's in now is good. Now I'd like to see him get more minutes. And that was kind of our concern when they traded for Derrick Rose and things like that. That's something that's a bit of a concern, but I don't think he's a starting level point guard for a good team in the NBA. If he's your starter, you're, 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 you're not really uh, heading in the right direction. He's a good player. I'm not trying to trash him. It's just, that's just not who he is. I think he's going to be a great, off the bench backup point guard in this league for a long time. Set. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, you know, I, I kind of, I agree with Mo, Mo for the most part. I mean, I think if he is your, your, like your fifth starter and you have a, you know, one of these star ball handling drink stirring wings, then he can sort of, you know, fit into that, 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 uh, like the, I don't even want to make this comparison because I think it's a it's a if he gets to be this level as a player he'll have done very well but that George Hill kind of role of the guy who can play mm-hmm. on the ball off the ball stick jumpers play defense like that's sort of the the bestest case not a word scenario for for what what you hope he can be and on one hand like don't want to throw too much of Adam as a rookie on the other hand I agree with Mo you do kind of or I do agree with you Dave you do want to see what he's got and you know what Alfred Payton does and doesn't have is more of the more of the right. issue there. It's not so much you want to give more to quickly. It's just like, okay, fine, but why this other guy? Why this like okay, we know the the level this guy we can count on the level this guy's gonna be at. We just know that level is mediocre. 
but t- but there's a there there tend does tend to be a preference for that like the sureness of that mediocrity over the variability of a of a young player with potential in many situations. Well, I think it's different with the Knicks because of they're in a situation I don't think any of us were expecting. I agree. Like they are going to be in the playoffs. It's the very least to play in tournament. You know, like this is something we I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. So. You know, I think there's a, a a little bit of that. I think Peyton, as much as we, you know, we they know exactly what they're going to get out of it. And I think that's a valuable thing. As a coach, that's something you want to know. Right. You know, going in the game, I'm going to get this from him. And it, yeah, it's mediocre. He's a terrible shooter. You know, he's not even that great finishing at the rim and stuff. But he's, he's pretty tough as a defender, pretty physical. Like he does a pretty good job there. And I think it's something that for Thibodeau, it's like, I know what I'm going to get there. When I put quickly in, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's bad. I have no idea on a day-to-day thing. He can come in going like, man, I was so awesome in my warm-ups, I'm ready to go, and then completely put up a dud. And the other way around, you know, be terrible in warm-ups and then come up and kill it. Like it's a still trying to figure it out. So it's a trust thing in that sense for the Knicks. And so I'm not too like concerned about it because I think the Knicks know what they have in quickly. You know, and, and and I think they've kind of found the role for him, and 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 they're getting him used to that. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, but I was gonna say I know why coaches right. do it. I just don't like it. But like, yeah. I, like I, well, Robert Williams. I mean, you know, we, yes. we were talking about Robert Williams in Boston all year. You know, it's it's the ceiling versus the floor. The floor guys, the, the Daniel Tice, the Tristan Thompsons, even you know that consistent floor, Alfred Payton. I know that I, I'm getting this minimum amount. And Robert Williams, as an example, may not hit that night in, night out, but he also has the potential to, you know, launch into orbit as well. And I think that the the making the conscious choice where you go in knowing my potential ceiling is lower here because I'm making the safe choice, it, it does bug me a little bit. Well, you don't win championships with the safe choice. It's that's it. It comes down to that. Draymond Green, you, you, you right? Like you, no, <laughs> playing five you to five. To, you like you, you know. It's you know. I, I think of things in statistical terms. You need to hit the right tail of a distribution to win a chance. Like you're going to have to get something's going to have to work out well for you. So if you need something to work out well, why not be the thing that you need to work out well? If it works out well, it works out really well. Instead of like, yeah, Alfred Payton had twelve and seven tonight. We that we got this ninety five percent of what he could possibly give us. It's like, um, great. No, but it's interesting, Dave, that you brought up Draymond Green because that wasn't a real – it wasn't like, yo, we're playing him over this guy. You know, it was a necessity. And then they saw what they have. It was kind of a food thing for them, right? You know, yeah, exactly. It's like when I look into one of my pockets of my pants that I haven't worn for a year and a half and find $20 in there, that's a win for me. You know, like that's 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 shocking. Of course, I go through all my other pants and don't find twenty dollars, and I'm pissed off. But yeah. that's a different story for another day. the The idea is they stumbled upon it and and lucked into it. You know, this is this is something that might happen for other teams. You know, when you look at the Robert Williams situation, he earned this. You know, from what he was doing in practice, I think we all saw it coming in the long run. I think they saw it coming in the long run. But how the season was going. He has taken a leap in the sense of they felt comfortable enough. So I don't really want to knock them. I know. No, Seth, I think there. I think there was some. Was... I think there was some fortune there because they they trade Tice, thinking that they're going to get Andre Drummond as a, on a buyout, 
and then that doesn't come come through and then Thompson is out and so you have to start Robert Williams and and even before he starts his first game Brad Stevens is like he, he has a quote he had some quote about well we think Robert Williams is more comfortable playing off the bench Robert Williams comes in and double doubles all over everybody he's like actually Robert Williams he looks pretty comfortable as a starter and just like okay you didn't you didn't want to do this it's uh you know the 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 this came up today with uh or we're recording on Thursday came up today with the news that Orlando is waving Kem Birch so that they have to play him Obamba. And it's it's the it's the money ball. You can do whatever coach, you can do whatever you want with your team. You just can't start Pena at first base because I just traded him. And there's there's something to be said for that. If there's a guy you you need to see what you have, coaches are going to, as you say, are going to go for the sure thing more than they're going to gamble on the upside. And trying to get where the teams want to go. You need to you at least need to know about that upside a little bit more. And it's a, I, I recognize it's a tough balance because, you know, yeah. the, the the GM isn't getting isn't getting fired for you losing with the young guy. So Right. I totally get yeah. it as a as a coach. I totally get it. Consistency is important. And it's important not just for, for the team, but it's it's important for other young players. I would argue Alfred Payton being able to give you twelve and four assists or and four rebounds has been good for RJ Barrett and probably good for Julius Randle. And just knowing that, that you have a guy out there who, you know, has been on the court before, right? An adult. And, and I understand that completely. But at the same time, you talk about Emmanuel quickly being a guy who would be perfect as like the third ball handler. I look at RJ Barrett and Julius Randle and I say, huh, seems like quickly fits pretty nicely next to those guys. And I'd like to see a lot more of it, but you know, I'm splitting hairs here because they probably are not as good night in, night out if Quickly's the starter. But I bet that the nights that are good are better than they are now. That's kind of my, my Quickly thesis. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so we wanted to introduce a new idea. And it's really, I mean, you know, it's a new way to talk about an old idea, uh, shall we say. And, And we were talking about the life cycle of NBA teams, the NBA circle of life, so to speak. Every team is born. Every team learns to crawl and then walk and then, if they're lucky, run. Maybe win a championship. And eventually, Father Time and Lady Death sneak up and catch every single franchise. And ladies and gentlemen, here's how it works. You have the reincarnation phase. That's the hey, you know what? We've decided it's not working with these guys. Maybe the young, promising players that we had five years ago, none of them turned out to be foundational talents. Time to move on. We got to bottom out again. Then you have the lottery phase. That's where you're collecting assets. You're taking on bad contracts. You wind up giving player bonuses because you're not hitting the salary floor. 
It's a very cheap place to be. And you control the NBA draft if you're located in the state of Oklahoma. Then we have the stars born phase. You get that number one pick, or maybe you get the, you know, number five pick, and you trade up, and you're able, <laughs> you know, to get a star. A star is born. It's a great place to be. Now you can build around this star. Maybe you make the playoffs because your star is that good. You're trying to get a third star or a second star if you don't have it. Then it's the arrival stage, and that's where you've got a star who maybe is an MVP caliber talent. Maybe you've got two other budding stars, a budding big three, if you will. You've made the playoffs a few years in a row, made a conference finals, ready to start making a push to the finals. Then you have the current champion phase, non-dynasty edition. That's, you know, the Lakers. Not a real time crunch yet, not a real money crunch. You're still favored to win the title. And then you have the last phase. And for us, it's going to be the first phase. The one foot in the grave phase. And that is, you have been priced out, aged out, injured out, traded out, free agency out. Your organization has spent years prioritizing winning over development and asset collection. You've had years of late draft picks. And I've just described the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors. So, gentlemen, here we are, one foot in the grave. The Warriors and Raptors. We got to start with the Warriors because they're just a really weird team right now. They've got Steph Curry, who is still just absolutely incredible. Draymond Green on the nights where he's Draymond, I mean, it's still there. And the Clay Thompson injury on draft day completely ruined the season for them. So they're in a tough spot. What do you think about the Warriors right now, Mo? I, I mean, it, it's when it's good, it's good. You know, you, we saw them beat the Bucks the other night. They look great. But when it's bad, oof, it's a mess. Yeah, no, this isn't. This just isn't a very good team. And even last year, you know, when we were going into it, and people were, uh, I think somebody on this podcast was uh, um, one of the uh, the bald gentlemen on this podcast. Uh, you're not bald, Seth. Uh, the uh, was picking them to go to the finals. So I think that's kind of the. Uh, it's like no, they just weren't good. Even if the even if Clay came back, they just didn't have defense. They didn't have the guys. They they've not had a great bench for a long time. They haven't had a lot of great shooting. For as much as we talk about the Warriors as a good shooting team, there's just not a lot of great shooters on that team. And it's just this is just what happens. You know, you go to five straight finals. You know, this is the kind of stuff that tends to happen in this scenario for you. And you know, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, Curry's been phenomenal, but it's only Curry. Like when he's not in the game, it's it's barely watchable. Well, it's why we split hairs over rotational decisions because like Steph Curry sitting until the six minute mark or the five minute and 45 second mark remaining in the fourth quarter when, you know, they maybe were within one, two minutes before. I mean, these sorts of hair splitting is it's happened every single night with the rotations for this team. And it's because Steph Curry is the only real good player. Yeah, if that's, if, if those are the hairs you're splitting though, it's, it's, you've already lost. That's yeah. it's, And this is, this is the system in some ways working as intended. You know, you, there are ways to kind of, kind of stave off the tax man 
by you know with with you know bird rights and various other exceptions stuff like that eventually though like retaining your guys just doesn't happen anymore someone decides they want to be somewhere else sean livingston is ages out of you know into retirement uh andre Iguodala is you have to move him along to to kind of hopefully start your rebuild and and what was already by the the 2019 finals what was already a very kind of thin hollow team because they'd been doing so much to to maximize their top five, six, seven guys, that starts to go away a little bit, and there's there's nothing coming up behind them, and now you're you're starting over again, and that that's natural, that's normal, that's what happens. I mean, there, there's this notion that that somehow they're wasting Steph Curry. I don't. That's that's nonsense. You you pay you you got what you paid for. Like you got your you went to the finals five straight years. And now this is just like this is your this is your your hang out at the restaurant paying the bill now. Uh, it doesn't mean the meal wasn't good because you know, oh I don't have filet mignon anymore it's, uh, it's garbage you know <laughs> yeah no, now I, it's I, like uh, I don't know some awful kind of uh, pudding that you make with water it's not good it's gross yeah and some of it's just uh, uh, th- that was very disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Pudding I, made I with water is disgusting. You, you threw me completely off. Yeah, with that, it's the worst thing I can think of in the moment. In my head. Um, but this is also the the product of you know not developing your young guys, mi- missing on guys that were in your program or, or or late first round, second round picks, and things like that. And every team has this. This isn't just a Warriors issue and things like that. But like when you're competing at the high level that they are, you know it's. You aren't playing the rookie. You're not playing Alfonso McKinney tons of minutes to get him experience and things like that. I think that's kind of the the issue. And I think that's sort of what, what's happened to this Warriors team is they've just kind of run their course into who they are. And now they're 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 trying to figure out where they're at. You know, they have James Wiseman, who's, you know, I still think gonna be a pretty good big guy in the league. I don't know how good. But pretty good. I don't. I don't think he's going to be great. But they have a piece there that they're hoping they can bridge. They have, you know, this Minnesota pick that's if it conveys to them this year, going to be a five, six, seven, eight in the lottery. I think they're going to be in an interesting spot to add another young, talented guy to this this team. But it's trying to figure out really where you're going now because I don't have them. Even if Clay comes back, even when Clay comes back next season, I don't have them as a championship level team. I just don't see it anymore. I mean, I agree with not that. particularly, I don't like, and not particularly close either. It's not, they're not, they're not one piece away. They're right. You know, they, they've got, you know, they've got Steph who's still like legitimately playing at an MVP level. Um, the league is at a point now where it is no longer, you know, it's no longer 2007 where, you know, you can have LeBron and he can single-handedly basically get you to the finals. The league is right. is, is too competitive. Uh, you know, teams are putting too many good players on the floor now for you to really for, – for that mode to operate as anything more than – uh, frisky. We don't want to. We don't want to play them because you know the, this one guy might might get hot and beat us two or three times. And then who knows what happens? Um, but that's that's really even with like a mostly himself version of Clay. That's where this this franchise is. But and and again, that's that's the, like you know we're calling this a circle of life. It's this is you know they 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 had the night and now it's time to go home. 
They lived a good yeah. life. They lived yeah. a good life, guys. Yeah. They went to five finals, yeah. won three championships, two two MVPs. One of them was a unanimous MVP. They lived a good life. Let's <laughs> celebrate them. <laughs> Are we putting them down? Is that where we're at? Just think about like – I feel like I'm taking my dog to the vet right now. Well, I thought they they should have before the season. Like when – like it it was difficult because it happened on draft morning. But Clay blows out his Achilles. You have to make the – okay, we're done. It's just we're we're like there's there, like I I I said this at the time when they traded for Ubre like you appreciate the willingness to you know of of ownership to spend what's a ton of money factoring the luxury tax but there's there's you're just you're you're throwing good money after bad there and probably like to some degree hamstringing some of those other things like that like focus on development because hey we think we're still going for this when that's not. This is this is a tough decision to make for a competitive people who rise to positions of power in professional sports, but it's just not going to happen. And you just you have to at a certain point. So like, shit, we got we got unlucky. Yeah, it's I mean it's, it's not it, in some ways it's a similar decision to what Orlando had to make. Uh, they you know like hey we never really got to see our young core on the floor together. Well, we're never going to see our young floor on the uh, core on the floor together because you know Fournier is going to leave in free agent, and Aaron Gordon wants out, and who knows when these other guys are getting back on the floor. So it's not the decision wasn't made for us, but we have to decide. Okay, well, we have to. We would have liked to have seen, you know like the what's the line from yeah. uh, Hunt for Red October? I would have liked to have seen Montana, and that's that's right. sort of where Orlando ended up. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply a lot of movie i will say i feel a little unfair including toronto in this because they do have i think they have some good young talent and i mean fred van vliet is awesome and i include them in this solely because you know there's the whole passing of the torch thing when lowry leaves i think that's more of a transition than a death 
Um, I just included them just for argument's sake. We're really focused on the Warriors here. What do they but do? Even, but even, they, but, but hold, 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 okay, go ahead. But even just real quick with Toronto, just it could be a quick phase. Right. Right. Like it could be a quick run through the the, the circle. There, you can advance through things quickly in that sense because of what they have. But the iteration of the Raptors, you know, with, when assuming Kyle Lowry leaves in free agency, this ain't really the same Raptors team anymore. Even if he, right. even so if if he stays, the, I'd like it's still it's a yeah. that's a that, that's a team that's that's still I mean, really like 30, like what's he, he's getting 36 next year. Do I have that right? Like, yeah. Like yeah. a 36 year old, like as one of your main guys, and then you're still kind of hanging on with your fingernails. And yeah, the, the Raptors are better than their record this season. But even as good as they, if, if their record reflected their play, they're still not in like that that top three ish. And they're probably not on the same, even on the level as a healthy Miami, as far as as like a, a competitor in in the East this year. And and so at a certain point, you do have to. You know there there is some some rebooting that has to be done now whether it's a whether it's a retooling or a rebuilding like that that's specific to your situation I think. But they've done the thing that the Warriors haven't done, and they have hit on a lot of the draft picks. And I mean, they got Chris Boucher from the Warriors, you know, and, and so that's where I think I actually like the Raptors' outlook more than the Warriors for sure. But they have a similar decision to make with like a franchise icon. And and now I don't think the Warriors are going to trade Steph Curry. I just don't see it happening. But, you know, you have to decide, you have to make a decision. And I don't think you can keep Wiseman on this team next season and, and still have Steph Curry and Clay no, and Draymond well, and say that, that you're going to try to win depends. a championship, I mean, right? You, that, you know, that 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 Timberwolves can pick lands fourth and conveys, conveys and they get like, you know, they get you know, uh, Jalen Suggs or, 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 or Kuminga or Jalen Green or something like that. And, and that guy hits, then, then that, that, that boosts you right away into kind of a, kind of a new, a new situation. I mean, I think that, you know, LaMelo has, has certainly surpassed a lot of expectations from, from this year's draft. Um, Warriors could have had him. Um, <laughs> but, hmm. uh, but I think we're going to name all the players. No, that they could have but had. I think it's it's still like you know this, this coming draft. I think you do have a better. You, you do feel like if you're anywhere in the top five, you probably have better shots at like tentpole upside than you had in this past draft. Well, a legitimate bridge player is what they're missing. Like if Wiseman had come in and had been like Luca or maybe Lamelo or Zion, then okay, it's a, we're talking completely differently, but. You know, and that's obviously unfair expectations of any player. Um, but it was just obvious that, you know, Wiseman had played how many games Three. at Memphis? Was it five? Three. Three. And and really didn't play a whole lot before. I mean, it's just like this guy is going to be a couple of years before he knows what he's doing. And he's shown flashes. I'm with Mo. I think he's going to wind up being pretty good. I like yeah, the mistakes he makes even. Uh, it's just I that they're in a different phase. But I'm not ready to trade him yet. Like unless unless oh, you have yeah. a package that makes you like well, because you were just saying like I don't know if you could have him on this team yeah. next year with those guys. No, you definitely can because there's going to be opportunities to grow in that. I mean, we also have to look in the fact of the guy didn't have a regular off season. You know, didn't get didn't have a regular road. You know, didn't have a chance to to get in summer league, get a, a, a training camp, work with the team all summer, and things like that. I think, and part of that isn't just. Wiseman getting better. Part of that is the staff the knowing what he can do. 
you know, especially in his case, because he played so little in college and it was so he, he was really kind of an unknown. So, you know, I still think, you know, it's it's kind of what we were talking about with the, the Nets sort of experimenting. I, I think they're t- kind of experimenting. Unfortunately, their experimentations had to come in the regular season because there was no way to see what he could do until he got on the court. And there was just no no summer league with everything that went on. So I think they're in that it, it, a tough spot. I think it'll, it, it'll work out fine. You know, and I know Warriors fans are extremely upset about the minutes he's getting and not getting and, and, and so on and stuff. But also, we're not in practice. Calm down. I just want to say Warriors fans, calm down. You went to five. You yeah, went to, you no, no, I'm, not telling, I'm not telling you to calm down. <laughs> like, you went to five straight finals. Like... Oh, it's spoiled. Chill. It's spoiled. They're actually Chill spoiled. Like, oh, yeah, no. I don't know, guys. I kind of like the expectation of excellence. I, I, oh, look, come on, Dave. I, I fully support it. No, no the it doesn't have to be rings or busts. It's fine. It's, hey, it's look, being, it doesn't it's, have to be rings or busts. No, it's the expectations exceptionalism, which is nonsense. Like, that's where you okay, get yourself see, in trouble. Now, it's like, well, because we're the I'm, Warriors, I'm going to defend Warriors fans. No. This is, yeah, we're going to get aggregated because I'm defending Warriors fans here. And I'm telling you, I think... That if it was just a normal bad season, right, or if they were the, I don't know, the eighth seed and they look like competent, but they were just getting beat because they don't have talent, that's one thing. But there are a lot of times where there are head-scratching moves. You know, saying you're committing to Wiseman and his development and we're going to start him and all this stuff, and then he, you know, he's got sporadic minutes, I think that matters. I mean, Mo, we talk all the time about the importance of consistency for young guys in particular. But you, I don't think this team like right now they're the ten seed as we record, so they're in the play-in. What purpose does that serve anyone? What, no, what, uh, what, what, serves, what should they be doing? I, I think you need to you need to pick one or the other. Either play Kevon Looney and try to win games, or say, hey, all right, this is development year, and Steph, hey, light it up while you're out there. But we're going to put you on a minutes limit, and you know if we win games, it's great. But if we don't. All right. And I mean, I, I know that's kind of what they're saying publicly, but pick one. No, they did that. They did that last season and went through all of this in that sense, Dave. Like, I don't I think you can do both. I think you can play him and 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 try to win games. But here's the other thing, too, though, like when we're, when we're talking about Wiseman in this sense. Exactly. Have we seen good. anything? Right. But have we seen anything from Wiseman where it's like, dude, this guy's so freaking amazing. He hasn't shot the ball well from th- like we saw a couple. He made a couple of threes to start the season, and everybody went ballistic. And now he's like, uh, I don't know when the last time was he made it uh, a shot. Like we're 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 putting this whole expectations on this thing where it's kind of just bullshit. And I, I I I think it's rubbish. Like he's I honestly don't. I don't not losing my shit when he's not getting those minutes because it's like, look, he just probably hasn't earned them. We don't know what he's done in practice. We don't know what he's uh, what what they're seeing and what they're working on. We don't necessarily know what his work ethic is and all of those things. And it is a bit of a different year because there isn't as much practice. So I just think it's kind of one of those things. But as Seth just said, they're not that good. We knew this going into the season when we looked at their roster. We we're like, damn, Steph has to go off every night for them to get wins it didn't matter like we nobody was expecting Wiseman to be a world beater and the fact yeah. the fact that they I, there's the no argument they need that, that like they they somehow feel like they need him to be for them to to get to the play-in game I mean it's like uh, you know what would you guys do what would you do for the rest of the season if you were Steve Kerr and and that that entire organization what what would your focus be I mean Again, I just don't think making the play-in does you any good. 
<laughs> no, it's, you can't no, tank. No, it's a tough, it, right, you it, can't tank. No, they, I mean, they, right? because they the fans have, are pissed. They have they've had a pretty snake bit. Like if you think about it, like yeah, considering like that, you know, again, you you're okay. We're gonna come back and we're gonna play the way that we wanted to play because we've got these three guys who have played together so much and they're gonna play off each other and we can play this beautiful read and react system. And then it's over before it starts. And in a season where you don't have like the normal, like, you know, preseason open gym, you don't have a regular training camp. You you have games scrunched close together. You've got guys in and out of the lineup all the time for, you know, COVID and they've had tons of other injuries. So like, you know, you would, yeah, you would like to have seen there be more flexibility. They've, they've talked about, um, you know, it's, it's one of those funny things that like actually by being more, a more rigid system would actually simplify it and make it easier for Wiseman, who who doesn't have a lot of reps of just playing basketball in in recent years to play kind of a read and react game. Like that would make it easier for him. But but when when do you do that? Like you, you maybe right. you'd want that to, them to have done more towards that. But it's not like you just snap your fingers and say, oh well, well now we're running. You know, this, these very intricate like you know stack pick and rolls that we've never practiced, and all of a sudden like you know all of our you. Know, no, notoriously quick uptick players like Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre are going to just on the fly, like know how to do this. So, you know, also don't forget Wiseman and Draymond. Remember they started the season on the health and safety protocol list. So Wiseman didn't even get the abbreviated training camp. Right. So look, I, I fully, uh, you know, you guys are not, you're, you're arguing with the messenger here. I, I fully uh, respect the fact that they've had a rough season. But I think you're you're at a position right now where six weeks left to go. What are you playing for? Are you playing for next year, you know, two years from now, whatever? Or are you still, you know, I don't well, know, trying I, to make the eight seed? I disagree with you, though, in the sense of, like, there's, there's no value in them playing in the playing tournament. Like, they're good enough that they can win those two games and get into the, the playoffs. And there's value in that. Like, I don't. When people say like, oh, getting into the A seed and getting your ass kicked, you know, it's, it's it's not worth it. There is a value for those young guys to understand that, wow, when I get into the playoffs, this team I'm playing against knows every move I'm going to make because they've scouted the hell out of me. It is so different than the regular season. The referees aren't going to call it. Like, you don't know that till you've gone through it. And it's that simple in the sense of like, there is value for that for those guys and being in that elevated environment, being scouted against at that level. So, you know, I think that's a goal is you got to go try to win games. And for them, here's the beauty of it is they still might get a lottery pick from Minnesota out of this. So it's not even like a, uh, uh, it's, it's not even like, okay, we're really hurting our chances to get better. Their chances of getting better is they need Minnesota to win a few more games just to make sure they don't get the one pick or get out of that, 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 that <laughs> range flat. of one, one through three. Like, you know, they're, they're in that mix. That's their concern. Those flattened lottery odds are, are going to help Golden State out a lot. I was looking at tankathon.com uh, right now with Golden State's current position. They have a less than just under 5% chance of their own pick being a top four pick. So there is a, you know, maybe they just hang out where they are and they get some lottery luck. But worst case scenario, they miss the playoffs or the play in or whatever. They still wind up with a lottery pick from themselves and potentially the one from Minnesota. So you're right. Like they're not in the worst position. It's just it's hard to watch. They, if they win the lottery, they just better hope Cade Cunningham isn't weird in his interviews. <laughs> Wait, well, hey, I mean, you know, it's all about who you want to go out to dinner with. Uh 
All right, guys, uh, we're, we're at the end of the show. Uh, Mo, what, what are you looking ahead to? Man, it's it, just trying to kind of see what the rotations are going to look like for the Nets as if they ever get healthy. Like I just kind of keeping an eye on that, watching KD come back. It was fun the other night, you know, comes in 17 points in 19 minutes, but just seeing how that kind of progresses and what the Nets are, are slowly building to. Seth? Um, I wrote about this earlier this week. Um, we're seeing a lot of blowouts that are resembling kind of the 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 late season stuff that we see in a normal season. And it's, you know, this the time in the calendar when we see that where teams are shutting guys down and but there's six weeks left in the season. So I'm I'm hoping that that's like, you know, last weekend we saw four forty point blowouts and a thirty seven point blowout across Friday and Saturday. Uh, I'm hoping that that's just that was just one of those things that happened, and that's not what the rest of the regular season looks like because it's just, it's going to feel weird, you know, with the tournament ending and now the you know the Masters this weekend and it's like okay well now it's the playoffs should start soon and then it's we've got a whole other month and so just as weird as this season has been this is going to be another kind of you know sort of odd body clock thing for people to deal with and just seeing if how that's managed. Yeah. Um, it is weird. And part of that weirdness has led me into what I'm looking at right now. I'm actually starting to think about the draft because I think this is going to be a draft that's important for maybe the next 10 or 15 years, of the league. So I'm trying to get a head start on where I normally am around draft time and trying to, you know, crunch in the last two weeks, uh, because we're kind of at a dead part of the NBA season. So I'm trying to take advantage. Also, uh, shout out to Andrew Schlecht for making me watch one of the more interesting weeks of Oklahoma City basketball. And I'm now convinced that Teo Maladon and Alexei Pokashevsky, uh, I think I'm just going to start calling them Double Dragon because that combo is going to be insane. They're, they are just going to be so much fun. And there's going to be turnovers galore. <laughs> but it is going to be a highlight reel every single night of good and bad but it's gonna be amazing for those who, who can't none of you can see this but dave just gave mo a stress headache just from talking about those two guys um so i think Mo's it started with the nickname yeah. it started with yeah. the nickname do they have they have like wrestler jackets for it yeah, maybe okay. we'll see we'll see let me talk to schlecht i'll see what we can work out now the double dragon name was originally for the Dragic brothers but you know since zoran doesn't play here anymore the name has moved on. It's like the Midnight Express. It just goes to whoever's there at the time. Whoever shows up, if you brought your gear, you're the Midnight Express now. These two guys are Double Dragon. Um, that's going to do it for show. this week, folks. <laughs> Don't forget, hey, go check out the Daily Ding. We've been killing it over there all week. What, what's up, Seth? We didn't talk about uh, wrestling at all. It's WrestleMania week. It is WrestleMania. And that's not Mo, this podcast. Lucky. That's I, not I, this I, podcast. End the show, Dave. End the show. We're going Tony Schiavone style. We're running out of time. We got to go.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.